Welcome to another episode of Musically Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds, and we're so glad that you're back. We're doing something different today, Zach. We're going to be highlighting um, snippets from some of our first 15 episodes. We hope that you have enjoyed listening to Musically Hitched, and I'm so excited to share these snippets today. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of great feedback from listeners all over the place. And what we're excited about is how this content is impacting you. If you're just joining us for the first time, we say welcome. We're glad to have you as a listener. And we want you to have an opportunity to take a deep dive because there's a lot here to unpack. We've had some tremendous guests with some tremendous tips, strategies, some funny stories, some successes, and even some failures that are going to be highlighted. So you're going to enjoy this for sure. Today, we're highlighting some of the interviews from our guests like Herman Peanut Johnson, who is the current music director for Monica. Right. Natalie Reagan, an outstanding musician who has toured the world with likes of Tyler Perry and Donnie McClurkin, just to name a few. Nate Myers, who's a world-class saxophonist. And Rodney Edge, who is currently the touring keyboardist for both Anita Baker and After Seven. For sure. Uh, so we, we wanted to bring out these highlights so that you can not only listen in to portions of their conversations with us, Amazing but also so you can go back, you know, and get the full Monty when you listen to those episodes. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow the show. And we would certainly appreciate you leaving a rating and review. That's how you can help this podcast grow. And we look forward to hearing feedback from you on your experience with Musical.ly Is. Stay tuned. We've got some great conversations coming up in the future. We don't want you to miss an episode. Yeah, a lot of heat coming. Thanks for tuning in to Musical.ly Hits. But there was one particular time I was coming back from doing a gig with, um, with Will, Will Downing. And I literally just landed in um, in ATL back here at Jackson Hartsville. And um, this guy named Courtney Carter, he, at, at, at that time, he was, um, I want to say he was, um, yeah, at that time, he was the road manager for A. Marie. Now, prior to that, prior to that, he was, he was a part of the management team um, for Tyler. And that's that's where that connection was. So Courtney um, obviously knew Ron because Ron was emptying for Tyler and everything like that. And Ron and uh, a few others was telling Courtney uh, about me or whatever. So Courtney just out of the blue called me and literally I hadn't even gotten off the plane yet. And he said, yo, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, and I was like, uh, I'm packing. I just, I literally just got back. And it was, it's probably maybe like 3 p.m. or something like that. And he was like, cool. I need you to get on a plane tonight um, or, or tomorrow at the latest because um, I need you to do this tour. And I was like, tour? I was like, oh, okay. I was, I was like, well, what tour is this? And he was like, don't, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's a new artist. Um, he was like, you heard of A. Marie? And I was like, A. Marie? It's like, nah, I, I, don't, I don't think I've heard of her. And he was like, well, just, just look her up. He was like, you, you've heard her song before. You've already heard her song before. He was like, you know song? It's just one thing that got me tripping. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I know yeah, that song. I yeah. know that song. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And I was like, so it's a tour? And she, he was like, yeah, it's a tour. I was like, cool. 
And he told me, he said, um, you know, uh, when you get back home, uh, just go kind of like, like listen to listen to some of her music and everything like that. And I'm going to send you um, some of her music, you know, if you don't have it already. I said, oh, okay, cool. So I ain't, I ain't think nothing of it. So um, when I got home, started unpacking to repack uh, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be flying out that night or the next day. Ultimately, it was the next day. So uh, I was flying to, um, ironically, I was flying to Raleigh. I was flying to, to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So the show was at Walnut Creek. And when I got there, when I landed um, at RDU, uh, there was somebody there with my name and everything like that. And I got there, got in the limo. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, this is sweet. Yeah, home sweet home, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, this is kind of cool. You know, I ain't mad at this. So when we get there, we're pulling up to Walnut Creek and I'm having like, you know, a deja vu moment of like, oh, this is wild. You know, and I'm seeing all these buses and I'm like, hey, man, who else is on this show? You know, and the dude didn't know. He's just a driver. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't know. And so um, we get through the gate and everything like that. And he drives me straight up to the bus. And um, um, as I'm getting out of taking my suitcase and stuff out and putting it on and I see one of the buses is wrapped in, um, and it says uh, Destiny Fulfilled Tour and I'm like Destiny Fulfilled Tour and I'm seeing on the side and I'm like is that Destiny's Child? And I was like oh for real? I said oh, okay wait a minute now so okay so I'm gonna see Beyonce and them so, so I'm, I'm like I'm trying to keep it all inside because I'm like okay right. I gotta, I got to focus because I'm only here um, right now because that's what it was at that time. It was like, I'm only here to do this one show, you know, but he told me to pack full weeks. So I wasn't sure what it was that he was trying to prep me for or whatever. So I get on the bus and I meet the girls, um, it's four dancers and I meet Lenny who's um, at that time was her manager. Um, and um, I meet a Marie. She comes out and I'm like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? It's good to meet you. You know, and in my mind, I'm like, wow, oh, this is this is really happening. This is I was like, pinch myself. Let me let me make sure I'm not dreaming. This is a right. real thing right now. Right. Um, so we sit in the front of the bus. They pull out um, another um, uh, uh, maybe I think it was a computer at that time or something like that. But she's going over the show with me. Mind you, it's only 20 minutes and we got 45 minutes before the show. So. We're literally going over the show. I ain't had no rehearsal with her, nothing like that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, cool. The most important things is beginnings and endings. In the middle, I can figure that part out. But the beginnings and endings of these songs, you know. And the great thing about that situation was it wasn't like they were like arrangements. It, it wasn't like they were like arrangements. They were they were edits okay. of the songs, which was like, thank God. You know what I mean? Um, so, like I said, I, I sat there with her, paid attention to beginnings and endings and was like, okay, cool. And she was like, yeah, and and that's it. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And it's 45 minutes before the show starts? This is like 45 minutes before the show. And how many songs were, were in the set for that night? I can't even remember. I, I know it was 20 minutes worth. Um, 
So potentially, maybe, well, like maybe, seven, maybe, maybe, maybe seven, about eight, six. Huh? Yeah, maybe okay. about six or seven, something like that. Um, so she was like, "Yeah, cool." So and that's it. And I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> you know, okay." And the way the whole show started was it started with me. It was nothing else. It started with me, and I was like, "Cool." Now she's cool. Now let me go find these other musicians so that way I can figure out, like, "Hey, guy, like, what are we doing?" So I go to Courtney. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, hey, so where's, um, are the other musicians already on stage? Or like, because I know we open up the whole show and everything. Are they already set? Or like, you know, what, where are they at? And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, well, Courtney, the other, the other musicians, like, where are they at? He was like, you talking about for Destiny Child? I said, no, I'm talking about for us. Like, who, like, who the people that I'm playing with? He was like, I ain't no other musicians, it's you. Wow. I said, hold, now hold on now. I said, I said, Courtney, what are you talking about? He said, it's no other musicians, it's just you. Wow. Some of the challenges in the industry, there are many, um, but I wanted you to talk with your, from your perspective as a female in this industry, you've had longevity for some time. You will, I believe you will continue to do so. What have been some of your greatest challenges being female in what is often a male-dominated industry. Well, you say that again. That's pretty, that's been a challenge. Sometimes it's a challenge when you're, so I try to flip it with some of my male friends. It's like, think about it. Think if, I know you love women, and think about if you're the only guy in the band. And that's, you know, that's cool. You're like, oh, but then after day 333, you're the only guy in the band. Let's say this is probably a petty example. And I guess let's say you're a heterosexual guy and a guy walks by and you got like eight other people in the band and the women are like, oh my God, did y'all see him? It's totally paying you no attention. Right. <laughs> They're like, so it's like, did y'all see him? And then they, they, depending on their comfort level, they may get descriptive. Like how much of that do you really want to hear? 300 days, well, it's 365 days a year, 200 days a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or like not, you don't realize things so you put in the minority situations. I don't speak, you know, people who aren't, who have never had to be minorities. <clears throat> stop there, huh? They, they may feel privileged. We use the word entitled. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the plight of a minority. So I would be I would consider a minority in the band sector. Right, right. You bond yeah. with some, you bond, don't bond with some. Correct. And I am not perfect at this, you know, this trial and error. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna run into mm -hmm. some challenges. But for me as a woman, I just <laughs> it's kind of funny, like I might, you know, hang out with some of the singers or some of the cast or, you know, mm -hmm. you know, mix it up. Right. But I'm not no, I'm not hanging out with a group of guys, you know, doing whatever they do. I just, I've learned to kind of adapt, do my thing. What time is call time? You know, I'll see you all. Oh, Nat, won't you come hang out with us? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. And mm -hmm. I'm okay. And right. they respect me. I respect them. And, you know, we usually, okay. You know, a tour is nothing but mm -hmm. a, uh, it's a community of people. Sometimes it can, be, it can be five people. It could be 500 people, depending on who the artist is and the size, size of the production. So, um, you know, it's, we got we to gotta be conscious. That personal space thing is, is a very real thing. And, and understanding the etiquette of touring is what we're talking about right now. How to, how to stay on tour 
you know, the whole time, right? Because you can be sent home for a lot of reasons and, and being sense. insensitive you to your up. fellow man or, or yeah. fellow woman, right? Could, could be a problem real quick. Some people might be very temperamental. Right. Some people might have bad tempers. Some people might be, you know, you could, you know, laid back or they call them silent killers. Right. Like they, you think they're cool, but they out here snitching to the boss. <laughs> Or some people are just blatant. I don't like you. Why are you on this tour? Mm. What was wrong with the person we had? It you they gotta want have you, tough they skin. want you to know that you're not wanted. They Absolutely. Want you, you right. it, it it's it comes in it's challenges can come in any angle. Now some people you got people like I'm I'm single, but some people are married with families. Mm-hmm. So there are adjustments. Spouses want to come to town and somebody might it could be anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Kids want to see you. Some tours, they don't. It's like, no, no. No intermingling. Like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Whatever you deal with something outside of then Some people are like, you're wrong. Who cares? Yeah. Some people forget that it's still a job. It's a business. And yes. either you run the business or you are employed by the business. But either way, you're in business. You so all musicians, if you're out, everybody that's listening, once you decided to become musically hits, you also signed up to be a business person. You signed up to be an entrepreneur. You signed up to be a sole proprietor. Whatever you, whatever your chosen company structure of choice is, that's <laughs> what you are. And you need to govern yourself accordingly, both from the etiquette perspective on the person. The personal side is one thing and the human human relations, let's call them human you know, relations part of it. But also on the, the financial side, what... What financial tips? I know you're not an advisor, but you've, you've made <laughs> money on the road before and the tour came to an end. So at one point the checks were flowing and then the shows came to an end and they probably stopped flowing. How do you manage or what would you suggest people do to lengthen the lifespan of their financial resources while on the road touring? I would say save your money if you can. Don't. Don't splurge because these things are not promised. You could think you're on a tour for six months. I think the last six weeks. Mm. Don't leave messy where you where you where you left. Don't don't leave them wrong. Make sure they were taken care of. Mm. Let people know you care. Let them know. You know. Don't make it shady. Like I mean, I might be out next week. Okay, I might be out next. No, be clear. Yeah. <laughs> be honest because with these days, all these devices. Mm-hmm. Natalie in Ohio. She told me she was, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah, so right. I would say manage your money. They say keep it's to keep your main thing, your main thing. Mm-hmm. If you have some other opportunities, you know, plan, don't like if just if you're working on a project, finish work on work on that or use things to your advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be in Oklahoma and you got a few days there. We all, you know, maybe you could have a little whatever. A recording setup where you can kind of work on some projects or if you, you're producing for someone you know maybe you can get it in but mm-hmm. don't don't rely on another person for your um your financial well-being yeah. i mean like i would say god is my my source mm-hmm. he provides all of these other if you use the term conduits you know to make some things possible but you know make sure you you know handling your business if you know like don't be dumb if you were making, I don't know, let's talk play play money. You were making 20 cents to stay at home 
and then the tour is paying 25 cents. Maybe you should stay at home. Maybe you shouldn't go on the tour because it doesn't make sense. So when did you know that you needed to say goodbye to your days of nine to five? Because that's that's always uh, an interesting point. You know, there's a there's a cool clip on YouTube. I'm sure anybody in the world can find it where Steve Harvey talks about the necessity of jumping. Yes. Right. Yes. Now, that's not like you, you know what I'm talking about. But basically, when yeah. when did you know that it's time to jump? Because when, as Steve said, when you jump, there's no jumping back up. There's no there's you're either going to fly or you're going to crash one or the other. But once you jump, whatever you jumped from is no longer under you. Yes. And and it's funny that you say that. That's oh my gosh. That's that's confirmation. Okay, so that when I around the time when I left my nine to five, I just finished reading his book, and he was talking about jumping. And he also said that um, I would rather go. I would rather try than never do, and wonder what if. You know, so as if you know, if if I never even tried to pursue my music or you know my calling, I, I will be living in regret wondering what if I had did X, Y, and Z 20 years ago or, you know, right. Right. And, and um, that spoke to me so much that it was just one random day and it was on, in a gen- on January. It was the first week of January. It's about five years ago. And I was at my job and I just told, called my wife and said, this is my last day. <laughs> this is my last day. Now I have, I had a plan ahead, you know, like I said, I had, a plan is now make sure you have a plan. If, you know, if you're trying to jump out right, and jump, right. just make sure you have, you know, something lined up. But I knew this was it. This is my last day. I need to do this. I, I'm suffocating. Like, I'm, uh, it, it's eating me up inside. Like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And, you know, ever since I've done that, I, I've found peace just in general. Like, I, I'll come home frustrated from work because I don't want to be there. It's like, you know, it was that type of thing, that type of energy that just, you know, just builds up. And that that book alone played a major, major part in that decision. And that's that's why I'm, man, the fact that you just brought that up, like, wow, wow. Because that, that was part of the story. That That's part of the story. And, yeah, it, it was life-changing. It was like changing. It, it, it opened my eyes a lot, and I'm glad. I'm glad I made that decision. So, can you talk to to our listeners about the level of commitment, the process, and the level of commitment that it requires to make a living as a musician in a music center such as Atlanta, specifically as a saxophonist? Because I think that you know keyboards get calls that sax players don't get, right? bassists, drummers, you know, rhythm section is going to get some calls because that's typical. But you're in demand for the saxophone. Yes, sir. So how do you create demand from the, for the saxophone? It, it goes back to what you said about um, adding value. And if you show that you can add value to whatever that is. It's been situations where I had to do situations for free just to show what I can bring to the table. And because of that, you know, they'll call me back and, hey, we want to add you to the budget just because of the fact that you're a good person or and and you can play. But, you know, we just like having you around or it's it's all all those things work together because 
at the end of the day, you don't just like a nine to five. You don't want to work in an, an environment uh, with people that you don't want to be around. And the same thing goes with music. You don't. You, the music is not going to be the same when you're on stage with people that you just don't gel off stage. You, you're going to hear it. It's going to come out in music. So it's like, you know, all of those things, you really have to be committed. You have to be you have to have 110 percent of commitment. It's about adding value. Everything in life in general is you should be surrounded by something that's going to add value to you as well. And you should always have a goal to add value to somebody else and to whoever you encounter. If people never get an opportunity to see what you can offer, like you're not going to get calls. It's, 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 you, how can you grow if they can't even see it? Like you have, you have to be, you have to humble yourself first and foremost. And then secondly, you you have to do that that's if you're a true entrepreneur a true okay. hustler if you want to call it that like you I know you, you have to have you got you got to be thinking ahead you can't just look at the now and you got to look at okay if i do this how could i benefit like you know how can you know this help my career how can this help my business like as a business person as as a CEO having your own business, you had to make plenty of um, investments in your equipment. The, mm-hmm. the microphone you're talking in right now, all, the, all that's an investment. But you have to be willing to invest, not just money. You have to invest time. You have to invest all of that. You have to uh, time practicing, time doing paid gigs. You, it's all an investment. Learning. You have to look at it. Yeah, it's yeah. all about your mindset. These days, you have to spend a certain amount of time as well learning the gear. It's one thing to make the investment. It's another thing to actually learn how to use it properly, right? Right, which that takes can, time. Which, which can, keep, can keep the phone ringing because when people know, hey, Nate, I need you to drop some 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 saxophone tracks. I need some alto sax on this yeah. album. I need to know that you know how to run Pro Tools and Logic exactly. remotely. Come on and that you've got a proper mic and you, can right. do, and you got a file exchange service, maybe like a Dropbox account. If you're unwilling to do all of that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do business. Exactly. You're taking yourself out of the game by not having those skills in a digital world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Agreed. Is is you have to you have to invest. You have to not, and it's not just money. And people always think that it's only about investing money. Yes, that is mm-hmm. a part of it. That's one you investment. Have to invest, yeah, that's one of them. You just have to invest time, and and you have to invest time around with people. You, you know, you have people have to see you. I mean, even mm-hmm. when we first. When I first moved here, I had to go to plenty of open mics and jam sessions and all that good stuff. I mean, I slowed down now, you know, but yeah. back then, you know, you know, when I first got here, I had to really be out there. Cats had to see me, you know, they had to know I was here. But those weren't paid. That You don't get paid to go to open mics, right? Oh, no, not at- you just you're spending time that you could be spending at home. Yeah. What you know, watching Netflix, even rehearsing. You could be rehearsing during that time, not necessarily doing something unproductive. But if, even if you're the best sax player in the world, if you're just at home rehearsing and you're not videoing and, and, and releasing YouTube videos of you practicing or, or, or at least recording or creating a cover of something, if you're literally just home practicing, the guy who's half as good as you but is out at the open mics for free is going to get more work. Exactly. He'll beat you to the tour bus every time. Right, right. That goes back to it's not just about talent. It's not just about it's not about talent alone. You know, it's it's a whole lot that goes with it. And you have to really hone in on that and really just, you know, work that that system correctly. 
let's talk more about your journey. You 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 became musically hitched to sounds at an early age. So, Edge, when did you realize that music would be more than a hobby? When did you realize it was going to be a way of life and even a career path for you? When I knew it would be uh, was after I flunked out of college. <laughs> so uh, I flunked out of college, um, but I was pursuing music because I had had so many experiences touching music past. You know, in those days, your way to make a living in music is that you had to teach it only. Right. You know, it was a long shot to watch somebody on TV. You know, it was a long shot to uh, watch somebody in the movies. And the only way you could get it was, you know, I'm talking about pretty much the whole state of North Carolina back then. Um, if you were going to make it, and live in North Carolina, that is. Um, you had to teach it. But after I flunked out, uh, I knew my gifts were different because I kept getting requested to be on other people's projects. Mm -hmm. So uh, once I learned how to start monetizing that, um, I knew that I, I said, maybe I can do this. What about relationships? So you're a not just a father, but you're a husband. Uh, how long have you been married? 25 years. 25 years. It's a long time. Yeah. And that's uh, not easy ooh. to do. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but no, no, no. It is not easy at all. Um, I attribute, I jokingly attribute, uh, but I feel like it's the truth uh, that the reason why I'm still married to my wife is not because of me, but the truth is, all jokes aside, it's because of her. Because there are some times, more times than not, when we as creators pursue these dreams that can't be tangibly realized, can't be, you know, economically measured, <laughs> I know you, you know, <laughs> uh, we, when that stuff doesn't happen, what, what are you doing? We have friends who have split up over someone pursuing their musical dreams. We have, but, but they never took the time, you know, you can't keep breaking a promise. You know, you just, you, you have to mature the same maturity that it takes to, to to obtain a music career and keep it, you have to have that same maturity about your relationship. You can't keep breaking a promise. That's good. That's good. Because it's not you. It's not you just breaking the promise to her. You breaking the promise to yourself. To yourself. Because you can't keep you can't keep putting in on on something on music side and and feel like you know you don't have to do the same thing on the relationship side. How, how how can you be in love with music? Most of which you can't see. I know that's so scriptural, but you know, music is felt more than it's heard. How can you be in love with that, but you have a relationship that you can touch that is tangible and 
you don't treat that right. If whatever works for your relationship is going to work for your dream if you treat them right. Very good. So when you've been on the road, you've done this a lot, riding for years, and that's one thing that some couples struggle with that. As long as I can see you, as long as I can attend your gig, I can, I can, I can, I can be there and I can know exactly what you're doing. But, but talk to our audience about uh, the life of a touring musician that is also in a committed relationship. What are some of the things that you owe your spouse, partner, when you're on the road to, that will keep things going? Because you're already, you're already absent from the nest, right? You're already gone because that's the nature of the beast in the job. So how do you make that work when you live in essence on a tour bus, planes, trains, automobiles, several months, some people nine, 10 months out of a year. How, do, how does one make that work? Communication. You have to be committed to communicating um, the whole time you're out there. Sometimes that's been the lifeblood window. At all times, communication has been the lifeblood of our relationship. To our listeners, we'd like to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's content, be sure to like and subscribe so that you'll always be notified of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Musically Hitched.